Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Weber. Um, today, I will be talking with Nikki Russo, who is the CEO at Exactech. She's a disruptor, a solution innovator in the robotics industry, and we're going to have a fascinating conversation. We will be talking about um, COVID because Nikki is in Melbourne. That's probably for the first eight or nine minutes. We, we did talk about that for a while. So if, you, if you're sick of hearing about me talk about COVID, um, from about nine minutes on, we're going to be exploring Nikki's journey um, to become CEO. Um, as she said, an unintended journey into robotics. We'll cover the ethical issues. We'll cover some of the amazing human outcomes that robotics is helping to deliver. And I really hope that you enjoy the conversation. Um, if you stay till the end, there's also a special offer for all podcast listeners on HTO Educate, our education platform. So without further ado, here's myself and Nikki. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, Brenton Weber. Um, today, I'm, I'm very excited to have um, an innovator and disruptor of the robotics industry with me, um, a lovely lady called Nikki Russo. Nikki, hello. What? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hello, Brenton, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Oh, we finally made it happen. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, you've been so gracious with uh, with the moves. I had a bit of a cold and um, I was couldn't, had coughs, and that's not a very good look during this crazy year that we're having either. Um, how how are you doing um, in 2020? How's uh, 2020 been treating you this unprecedented year? Well, 2020, I imagine, as for everyone, has been uh, what the year. Like, uh, you know, you, who could have imagined this was what 2020 was going to be about? Um, I had a bit of a, um, well, my 2020 started, my mom passed away in, in Johannesburg in South Africa, so I flew um when I got back, I was basically back to Melbourne. I was... Um, I'm so sorry to hear that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but she... Um, I think it was like three weeks and, and COVID, the whole COVID thing was here. And, and I... Look, initially, you know, I, was, I listened to reports and I'm going, like, what is this? And I don't think I was alone in this. I think medical people would have sort of quickly realised the full severity of what was going to hit us. But... Um, I had no no idea that this was going to be the year ahead. No, I, my year, I, I know exactly how you feel. My father passed away at the start of the year. So the, the year began with that grief and loss. And then COVID kind of came on top of it. And it was like, where where is this going? I flew back from the UK, I think about three, four weeks before we went into full lockdown in New Zealand. And so I look back on what's happening in the UK and how close I was to getting stuck over there as well. I guess you would feel similar about South Africa. There is a, they're having a real tough time of it this year. They are. Um, and look, I think South Africa has its own challenges. You know, I was I watched a program on the hospitals here um, that was aired in, on a TV show in, in Melbourne and um yeah, I think they're having a rough time. My brother is in the medical industry. He's a head pharmacist for um, the whole of Cape um, region, so he's very senior. And, um, you know, I chat to him sort of every week and he says they're under the pump. You know, it's 
it's hard, but but he's very optimistic, you know. And I think I think generally when you dealing with something like you know a pandemic, what else? Like it's better to be optimistic than pessimistic. I think you know you have to find something that you go, you know, you have to find something that you go. Well, um, you know, it is tough, but. I sort of view it uh, because we're in our second, well, our third lockdown in Melbourne now, and we're now in a serious lockdown, and I think it's till the um, 28th of September. I think that was the latest update I heard, but, you know, things could change. And no going to offices. You can only go to the shop um, one person at a time, um, five-kilometre radius. So it's, it's very restrictive living, and I think... You know, we sort of managed the first and the second lockdown. We thought, oh, yeah, we can do this. And then when the third one hit, because it, it sort of came in the in the middle of the second one, um, I think that's hit people hard. So, uh, again, I sort of look at it and I go, you know, this, you know, people, they're not doing it just for the hell of it. Like, this is quite serious. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen when restrictions are loosened up again and our numbers increase because I don't think our economy can handle too much of the stop start anymore. It's yeah, that's that's worrying. Yeah, the economies everywhere are really are really taking it. We we did have some. And it's worth celebrating these good bits of news because we don't hear them as much in the media over here. But the New Zealand economy, we I think we're showing that that really focusing on health. Um, is actually the best thing for the economy because our numbers for the year so far are far better than we expected. I mean, we're still lockdown is. I think it's some somebody's told me it was like eight billion a, a week, eight eight billion a week when we're in lockdown. So it takes a massive hit. But but as we've seen in places like Sweden where the economies were open, there's still no one was going out once COVID kind of hit hard in the severity, and so their economy even without the lockdown took a massive massive um, strike it's a, such a difficult we're all making this up as we go along this year as well you know I, th- I think yeah, there's, no, there's no rule book on what to do and I think I think New Zealand's um I think what's really worked well in your favor is your high your high trust of your your prime minister I think Jacinda Ardern's done an absolutely wonderful job and I actually read, uh, read a thing on LinkedIn of you know all women going oh we Bring her here. Let her be her, the prime minister here. Someone very rightly answered. Actually, you know, you do have your own Yasinda Ardern. You just have to find them and elevate them. So I thought that was quite a nice little answer to that one. But um, yeah, I was reading an article about um, the trust uh, that New Zealanders have in their leadership, and I hope um, you agree with this because you know I just read it and it just said. Um, that's your compliance, and you know, like she's she was a, she's an excellent communicator, very forthright, um, regular updates of what's going on, and I think she's very in touch with her people. She is. Uh, it's like customer experience, and I think of it as human experience. And we we often look at companies through the lens of the governance and the structure and the employee engagement and how all of that how all of those um, aspects of a business either amplify or inhibit the delivery of good customer experience or good human experience. Certainly, we think the number one thing is leadership and the communication, the removal of siloing of information from the leadership and spreading it out across all stakeholders. And I think that that's what we're seeing in New Zealand politics at the moment, that this, this masterclass in communication, which has meant that people have been able to suck up the the inevitable um, discomfort 
that that these lockdowns were going to create. It is funny. I'm our second lockdown from the people that I'm speaking to, and I guess from personal personal experience as well. Finding the second lockdown harder than the first. Um, and of course, it's all relative. We're very lucky here in New Zealand, but it's still, from what I'm hearing, people from people, the longer this goes on, and no surprise, the the harder it's been on the mental health of a country. Um, it must you must be here. How how are people? How are how are the government? How's the government in um, Melbourne answering that mental health aspect? Look, we we we're in an unfortunate situation here that our premier Dan Andrews, um, love him or hate him or whichever way you look at him, he's taking a severe copping at the moment. Um, people are not happy with him here. Um, I I can see why you know second third. I think that the the realization for most of us is that this is just ongoing until there's a vaccine, and there's no there's no real answer. So if you open up, can the hospitals um, cope with it? Because that initially was why everyone went into lockdown was to give the the hospitals a chance to get all their systems in place and get ready for the onslaught. So. The argument has now been, oh, the hospitals are fine and, you know, why are we still in this? But I think you have to focus on the loss of human life and where do you start trading off what is a life worth? Now, I understand the economy and I even look at it and go, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting slightly anxious about it, which means, like, I'm, I'm really worried about it. And um, But where's the answer? You know, everyone I speak to has got a different opinion on it. My personal opinion would be throw because in Australia at the moment we've got job seeker, job keeper. So the, the government is really supporting people as much as they can. Of course, they're the rotors, etc. But that's inevitable in everything. But um, let's assume that most people are doing the right thing or hope. Uh, my philosophy is that I would take that money, throw it at the medical fraternity, the section, give them what they need, lock down people who know that they. They're very vulnerable. You know, your age care, unfortunately, in Melbourne, um, that's where we've had most of our cases in the in the second, third outbreak. Um, and, you know, that's, that's been really bad. Our mortality rate's been very high of, of elderly. Our age care sector has been hit hard. So, you know, what do you do? Do you isolate them completely? How long can you do this? It's not good. It's not good. As humans, we we like to we need to be with other people. But that's really, and we need to be touch. Touch is extremely important. Um, I read an article once about uh, husbands um, hugging their wives, and I always say to my male friends, the best advice I can give you is go home and hug your wife, and don't be the first one to disengage. Like hug until she's ready to leave because it actually raises her serotonin levels, which is very important. So every every single guy, anyone I go, let me give you some tips here, some marriage advice now. Go home and hug your wife and don't be the first one to leave. Women actually need to be touched and, um, you know, just a hug. So um, Great for oxytocin as well, but it takes – everybody just thinks that giving a hug is going to get oxytocin. It takes about 20 seconds for the oxytocin to be released. So that's, again, you've got to keep hugging, keep cuddling for as long as possible, then you, you get more benefit from it. You need Everybody something like benefits. an average of five hugs a day. So I look at people just, just generally, people that are single, um, you know, when last did someone touch you? I look at my own kids. I, I make it an, uh, like a thing every day to go, let me give you a good hug here because where else do we touch each other? 
Yeah, well, that's that's. I've now got four children, and um, I have to say, so so the day is full of hugs if I want them. I mean, that, apparently, another good and another good way of getting oxytocin is just hanging out with a baby. We we get that naturally through through that that concept as well. So. Yeah, no, very, very important. And and I think so. That's I think that's why a lot of people have been struggling through the second um, lockdown here, um, because there's been less focus on self-care. We've all got used to now being able to work from home and throw ourselves into our work while sitting in our in our homes. And the people I've spoke the first lockdown, I think we all slowed down. Everybody learned what Zoom was and um, started finding ways to do it. But the focus was very much on family and health and exercise because you didn't know how long the lockdown was going to happen either. And the New Zealand lockdown has been like, well, we've only got two weeks. We shouldn't really have a break. We've had too much time off this this year already. So let's just keep driving. It's only three months till Christmas. So business leaders are kind of you know got that got that end of year in their mind as well and our our kiwi summer where everybody kind of celebrates the three months of glorious sunshine by going to the beaches and going to the bats you see we know that it's not going to be as active anyway we we've talked about covid for so long we can't really we couldn't really not talk about covid in a, in a year like this it's impacting us all but i'd love to get back to you and for those people that um don't know you or haven't been introduced to you yet Love to know a little bit more about your journey. Um, you said an unintended journey into robotics when we first spoke a few weeks ago. So yeah, take us take us through that. Completely, yes. Um, so I often get asked the question, "How did I end up in robotics?" Which is a very valid question to your listeners out there. I I think. Um, I'd say to people, I don't have a technical bone in my body. I maybe have whole for one now after five years of running a robotics company. But um, my my late husband and I, Anton and I, uh, had an agile consultancy business um, that we started up in Melbourne, and it's still actually up and running. And uh, we had an event. Um, part of what I did was conferences, and it was a workplace happiness conference which to some of you could be a contradiction in terms. I'm hoping not, but we had people <laughs> from actually uh, Sandy Mamoli that lives in New Zealand and a guy in um, America wanted to dial in because we, we really had a good lineup of speakers for the day. And we bought, we, we sort of looked around and we found the double robot and we we bought it and we used it on the day. And it was such a great success that we promptly bought 15 more and we sold them very quickly. And, um, yeah, so we, we were sort of looking at it and Anton said to me, you know, like an agile consultancy business and a robotics business, they don't really go hand in hand. Um, so, yeah, this is now your company. Um, it's called Exactic, yeah, which is an acronym for Extreme Application Technology. Had I known what a mouthful that was going to be, I would have called it or got him to call it ABC <laughs> Robotics, but um, nonetheless. And that was it. So the 11th of February 2015, I became the proud like owner of a robotics company and um, we were still working quite uh, quite heavily in the t in the table on the agile consultancy business so I wasn't really taking it too seriously you know I, I, my my way of answer or running a company was I'd get an email answer it and then sell something and you know that was my contribution 
And Anton always said to me, like, what are you doing? Are you phoning people? I go, no, they'll find me if they want me. <laughs> so, <laughs> not, not quite how we should be doing things. Anyway, so, yeah, that, that's five and a half years ago. And um, look, suffice to say, that's not quite how I do it anymore. And um, completely unintended. Anything I know about robotics, I go easy on your questions, your technical questions here. Yeah, I've had to read up and learn and um, – I'm sure I've made a, the proverbial ass of myself on a, on a few occasions where people are looking at me and going, like, I don't think she quite understands what she's saying here. But, uh, you know, like, live and learn. That's my motto every day. If I can learn something every day about the industry I'm in, um, I, I'm fine with that. Well, we're we're now such a knowledge-based economy, aren't we? I mean, there's, there's, there's things to the, – the world is changing. Um, we now live in a world where experts don't really have as much – of a place anymore because who's been an expert in this current situation that we find ourselves in and I think those people that continue to to grow and learn and um, develop and explore that will have that childlike um, inquisitiveness about their industry and about what are the, are the ones that are really thriving at the moment. Um, tell me more about Exact Tech. What kind of stuff do you do it what what sort of robots do you do you so, um, so, create give birth to I don't well, know what the right now what the right adjective is or verb is sorry I'd love <laughs> to say give birth to it but we 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 import them um we we focus on telepresence, social and educational robotics. So it's it's a niche in the robotics field. So you know you've obviously got manufacturing cobots and different different things classed as, as robotics industry. Um, ours is niche and it's telepresent. So for your um, audience out there, it's it's the ability to use a, a robot. So it's got an iPad usually on like a, a base or a stick and it's a very simplistic way I'm describing it. But you've got the ability via the internet, so you, you have to have Wi-Fi, from anywhere in the world, you can dial in and you can navigate this robot around an office environment. Um, the double aptly called your double because that's literally what, what they meant. It's your double. So you, if if I was in your office now driving around, I, you could see my face because, you know, an iPad's got all an Android. It's, it's got the camera and everything. And I can see everything that you can see and, and vice versa. So it, it's literally, it's, it's a bit like you could say it's like Skype, but you've got the ability to be completely independent. Right. Okay. And and interactive. So. Oh, of course, interactive. Yeah, you're talking, and you. I mean, and look from from the time we've started um, till now, the the developments have become very sophisticated. The Temi robots um, that that we the exclusive distributor for Australia and New Zealand is a very sophisticated little robot. So it's Alexa integrated. Um, it's first and foremost the telepresence robot. You know, you start off with that, but then it's Alexa integrated. It's got mapping. You can um, program it to go to X, Y, Z areas wherever you need to. Um, it's really come into its own now during COVID. I've you know, I've got hospitals in Australia that are clients of mine now. Um, doctors going into um, their patients' rooms, they don't have to gear up with the personal protective equipment because there's no there's no physical interaction. They can talk to their patients. So you can think for yourself, you know, someone in ICU that's they're about to be incubated and 
you know, you this is your last communication because, you know, nurses can't stand there with phones. If you have these robots in there, and I'm not actually sure that any hospitals do, but that's why I think it would be the obvious place that your loved ones can talk to you. Because, I mean, the fact that you lying there doesn't mean you can't hear people. Like, you, they can still talk to you. Um, aged care facilities, I've just I've just sold a few into an aged care group in uh, Brisbane. So, um, yeah, they, they're exploring great for, other... Great for rural people, like for, for people in rural areas. And Definitely. People don't understand what rural means to an Australian. Yeah. Unless you've been in Australia. We're talking small plane rides away from any kind of civilization. So they, all of a sudden, you've got the ability to have a fully interactive medical experience with the town, with the town facilities, telepresence. Look, I think, yeah, I think what, what COVID's done is it's it's um, it's sort of pivoted the use of robotics where, um, you know, whenever I speak about robotics in Australia, the first thing that I have to explain is don't worry, like these robots aren't going to take your job. Like, you know, they're, they're not that smart. That's not what they were designed to do is to replace you. It's designed to work with you in a, in a particular set of circumstances. And I think... Um, with with COVID, like if you look at sterilization robots that are being utilized in hospitals, airports, large areas, that it takes a fraction of the time to clean and sterilize um, areas where there's high high traffic of people walking through. This is an obvious use of, of robotics. If you look at hospitals where you um, you know, dirty needles and things and stuff that you don't necessarily want your staff to be dealing with, that you've got these sort of robots they're collecting and, and getting rid of your um, your waste material. That's an ideal use of, of robotics. So um, part of my, my work when I talk to people is I give them case studies of, you know, where robots have been utilised. Um, I think the, the, the best one for me so far is a little... Um, a student at a private school in Melbourne that um, had an immune, um, you know, he was, his immune system was compromised and couldn't go to school. And they got one of these little pad bots and the, the boy would, wherever he was, he would dial in from wherever he was and you'd go to school. So I always say, look, your academics is obviously important, but what's really important is that he was seeing his friends and, you know, the, his friends were keeping in touch with him. And what a what a brilliant way of doing it. Like he had the independence of navigating around the classroom. He wasn't beholden to anyone, you know, take me to X, Y, and Z. He could navigate himself around, which is that's really what the beauty is of these these robots, is that you can move around unassisted. And um, you know, once you finish, you go and dock yourself and the robot charges itself until the next person dials in. Yeah. No, I, I love the concept. Um, I've I've got lots of it. I haven't seen what they look like, but I've got uh, lots of visions of what they could look like. I don't know if you know the book. It's uh, one of my favourite authors is a guy called Neil Stevenson, and he's a bit of a futurist. Um, and he's got this wonderful book called The Diamond Age, and um, it's a, it's a crazy premise. And I'm not for one <laughs> for one instant suggesting that that's where you're going with this. But it, um, the premise is having this almost this book, this lexicon that can go anywhere where they where this child goes, and it becomes it's like a, it's almost it's a cross between a teddy bear, an avatar, a, um, a knowledge source, a teacher, uh, um, a guardian, and a babysitter. So I can, I can well, see where these where these are going. Yeah, look in in China, um, you know, some of my the robots that I deal with, they, 
um, in the video suggest that these robots are actually utilized as babysitters for their children. Um, not quite what I would use them for, but, you know, like each to their own and how they're, they're using robotics. So I, I think, you know, I, I was listening to Jordan Peterson this morning, again, a love him or hating type of guy. I actually like him a lot, and he was just going, you know, technology is moving so fast, you know, to your point of how we learn. Um, you know, what we learned two years ago is obsolete now. Like, things move so fast, and being able to connect to the internet to get your information again, like, it, it's just amazing what, what we can learn and how we can do things. It's a, it's a truly exciting and and somewhat scary time to to be alive. So I often, my friends and I are often uh, we look back and think we, we've all got PlayStation fours and we're looking forward to VR and you know I can I can see with your with your telebrands do they have VR headsets so you can no kind of... no I don't yeah that's a separate that's a separate industry altogether I've I've got a um, one of my connections on LinkedIn and a very nice. Um, guy, he specialises in that. Oh, that's a very interesting um, field as well. So, now my my um, one of the other robots I deal with um, is the QT robot, and we've just become the distributor for that in in Australia, New Zealand as well. Um, I like the way New Zealand's tucked under Australia. I just say Australia, and then I always say to my supplier, you might as well give me New Zealand as well, because you know, like it's, it's just it just makes it easier. You're sending it so far. Um, I actually do have a few clients in New Zealand, and the QT robot specialises with children with autism. So there's a whole syllabus worked out, um, and autism is on their developmental age. So the the whole syllabus that was developed by physiotherapists and people specializing in autism um they they go from you know zero to 14 months and then incrementally till about 15 years and uh, it's a fabulous little robot um they've had like real success with it it's it's designed and made in luxembourg and they've had a lot of success with it so it just landed here with with COVID. so it's it's i've already sold one um but it's, it's sort of been a bit of a slow start because I was hoping to go to quite a few um, conferences and things and actually show it to the audience. But um, I'm busy working my way around that. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're having to adapt in so many ways to, to this new way of working. Um, it, does, it does mean that I'm finding that the siloing of distance and country borders seems to be easier to to get around those walls are lowering it seems during this period we're, we're much more open to exploring um what's happening and how we can help in other countries and other markets that probably up till now we had limiting beliefs in in how we could reach them um how what 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 new ways with assuming that this we're we're not out of the woods yet and this there, there could be months of no conferences ahead of us what 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 other ways are you exploring at the moment of um introducing because i'm looking at qt robot now um qt robot for autism um on www.robotlab.com i'd invite any listener to kind of go and have a look at it it looks really really interesting yeah don't even go um, to robot lab go to exactic that's where they should be going it's exactly. on my website yeah yeah go, go on to my web website um look, I, th I think for me is i'm i get invited to speak at a lot of uh, webinars and things now so um I 
you know, I, I do like a whole presentation and that's basically how I'm getting it out. And I'm I'm doing Zoom session myself with, um, you know, like an education session of what QT does and how we manage it. And the telepresence robots, what's actually been good for me there is I've never really done demos per se. People dial into my office and they actually experience what it's going to be like for someone else dialing in or for themselves. So I don't really need to go and see anyone to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the website now. So first of all, apologies. Oh, that's okay. Um, for, for mentioning another one. And what we'll do anyway, we will we will for sure put a link to um, your website. I love this humanizing robotics. Um, look, I'm all, I'm all about the human aspect. And what I hear is how beneficial this could be to the human experience in so many different ways. Um, really dealing to massive pain points in current customer experiences or human experiences. Um, what other what other overarching human pain points do you think robotics has got the capacity for us to to solve in the in the in the near future? Oh look just just I'll just give you one or two more uh, more case studies of, of our telepresence. Um, one of the the cases that I was dealing with a guy had a car accident and ended up being a paraplegic and um, as part of his insurance payout he actually invested in one of these telepresence robots as well so he was at home running his business um, via this little robot which of course you know while he was in rehabilitation and getting used to his new way of life he simply couldn't have done it any other way so um like like I've got story upon story like that. Another guy in Melbourne moved to um, an island out of Melbourne and he dials into his office every day. He was forced to buy his own robot, but uh, his company has seen it work so, so well that they hired it off him. I laugh about really? that. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> that's great. We can see a new business for a robotic recruitment consultant. <laughs> but they subsequently <laughs> invested in their own robots, which I just think is priceless. I said to him, no, charge them double. So, um, yeah, no, really. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I've got some business up in Queensland, um, guy dials in every day he's all over the world he told me one day he was sitting in a bus in london dialing into his robot in the office in queensland so i just i have a chuckle about it it makes my day you know i look at the technology and i go like this is really cool and of course i i get excited about it but it's what really gives me um you know what i go like why am i doing it is the difference it makes in people's lives you know if it makes if it mm. makes someone's you know that guy with his being a paraplegic and he's able to still move around. I had a client in Perth that um, never leaves her home and she managed via one of these um, beam robots to attend a conference. She's never done that before. And that this is what these robots give you the ability to do. You can get out and about, do things you, you would never have thought possible because the technology is available now. It gives so much, I can see it giving so much time back and adding so much flexibility. It's what I get, I get really excited now about products that I know are going to have a massive impact on my missions and my goals and, and what I'm trying to achieve. Um, yesterday, I was at Sharp Corporation here in Auckland. It was the first one-on-one -on -one meeting that I'd had in well, weeks and weeks. It was really exciting to actually have some human contact um, and face-to-face. -face. And they were showing me this amazing new um, whiteboard um, screen that had immediate 
plug and play with every device. And I could just see how um, you could share screens, um, the camera, the, 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 I often have problems in big, busy conference calls where I can't make out what people are hearing in a big, busy office with three or four people. Well, the noise technology, um, the noise cancelling technology was so amazing. You could hear everybody's voice perfectly crispy. There was no, um, there was no kind of mix. Now, I, yes, it's a wonderful product. It's a very sexy product. But really, the thing that was getting me excited was what impact could this have on what I'm trying to achieve and, 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 and um, my operations and my facilitation of workshops and stuff like that. Um, now I want a robot <laughs> because if I had both, I could have the robot there driving that. I could be in the office. But you've given me half of my life back um, to be able to travel and still be able to turn up at the office during the week. Well, look, and imagine if, if all the robots are wherever you go. So you can go, well, have you got a robot there that, that you can hire? So companies just have it. You can go, well, you can dial in via what we're doing now, or you can have a robot that can actually, you can navigate around. And um, yes, it's for hire, you know, so the money, like if they want ROI, there's your little business deal that you've got going there. Um, in November, the in Brisbane, there's going to be the conference of, of World of Drones and Robotics. So... You know, further to your question, what do what are robots doing? Um, there's a company in in Melbourne called Swoop Aero, and Eric Peck, the CEO, they design and manufacture medical drones that are um, sent to countries like Vanuatu, Malawi, Mozambique, um, and what they do is. These little drones have got a payload of three kilos to transport emergency medical um, equipment or medicine or whatever you need to. Absolutely, like just the like that's a useful use of robotics. You know, you go, what are these robots doing? There's a need, and the robot is actually solving the problem. And um, I mean, drones. I think there's going to be. Uh, the delivery of parcels. I think Amazon's now, I read somewhere, Amazon has now got the green light to drop um, parcels in America. They've been giving FDA approval or something like that, that they can they can trial it. So um, interesting. It's it is interesting. interesting. Our, first, um, our first podcast only a couple of weeks ago now was with a guy from Melbourne, um, an amazing character called Clem Newton-Brown. And he has a company called Skyports. And so he's involved in building the infrastructure for these uh, autonomous urban, urban aerial vehicles. And it will revolutionize. It's not very far away because Melbourne was actually the third city chosen by Uber Air to roll out their Uber Air autonomous air service. So it's coming very close to you. It's, 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 we really are living in the future. Every day we, we, we get closer and closer to the Jetsons. And um, how do we avoid those other ethical ones, those other ethical, ethically challenging um, possibilities? You know, there'll, there'll be lots of people who are thinking, my goodness, uh, robotics and AI, um, how close are we to Skynet and you know, Terminator and all of that kind of sci-fi stuff? How do we, how do we, other, other checks and balances in place to stop people looking at those? No, I don't think so. I think, I think it's a little bit the wild west out there at the moment. It's a bit like when the internet, you know, landed on our doorstep, 
I don't, I can't even remember how long ago. It was a 20, 30 years ago. And now you, you look at things, I think the legal aspect in some way is only now beginning to catch up with issues that we, we find on, on internet, you know, so whether it's, um, you know, bullying happening or photos that shouldn't have been out there that now only countries or their laws are catching up to go, this is illegal, you actually will be prosecuted and there'll be punitive measures. There was a paper released last year, I think in Europe, um, on on the ethics, ethics and morality of um, robotics and, and how, how we manage and navigate this in the world. I think... Um, I think it was June or July. I, I could be wrong, but I know there was a paper released on this. It's a very um, ambiguous grey area at the moment, Brenton, and I do I do think people with much higher pay grades that I have and much like serious roboticists and AI specialists, they really do need to take this seriously. Mm. Yeah, I think there's quite a few industries that that need to do that. It's funny, you, you, my history's through the early days of the internet in media as well, um, and it is it is it's a really exciting time to be in these industries when it is like the wild west. But there are also worrying like the reason the reason why um, there is all this the, these new cookie um, issues that are going to be starting to 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 in some ways there are, there are some digital ad agencies that, get, that are going to be really doing it hard once um, Apple stops recognising cookies. And, and and that's really come about because there have been some unethical plays in that space, you know, the Cambridge Analytica stuff. It's like without that oversight, we as humans are going to find ways to to make, make money by supplying whatever needs um, there may be, whether we should or we shouldn't. So, well, so uh, I mean, AI, AI and crypto would be similar. That's yeah, right. it's the you know it's it's the big five, the monopoly. What Facebook, Google, Apple. I mean, they had the congressional hearing earlier this year in America. I don't know what good it did. I think they were grilled a little bit more than they were in the previous one. But um, I, I don't think there's been real change there. And unless they really get punitive with these these companies, I mean, Facebook um, and the manipulation of algorithm, algorithms. And where you direct it, I can see it for myself. I'm not big on Facebook. I actually, I, I hardly use it, which is probably not what I should say, just, you know, as an advertising for my company, but I don't really like it. And I think the information that we very willy-nilly just post all over the place, I think people should take it a little bit more seriously. I certainly tell my children, um, you know, be careful what you put on on social media. Yeah, it, we, we also... We've we've allowed it to hijack our our um, ancient dopamine reward system. You know we're living in this modern era with all of this exciting technology ahead of us, with all our our future needs becoming a lot easier to fulfil, and yet our cranial infrastructure, our brains, are exactly the same creatures that we were when we were sitting around campfires telling stories, and that was our extent of media. Um, so our, our dopamine levels I've, I've started I've really started to dial back on the social media I think I probably got caught up on Twitter a little bit too much this year and it's such a massive echo chamber I try my best to have a balanced spread of different types of voices 
on my followers. But still, those algorithms seem to take me back to people that are angry about the same things I'm angry about. And so you get worked up. I, I feel much healthier since reducing that by, I think I'll try to reduce it by about 90% over the last two weeks, just make it much more operational, much more functional to go on there and uh, instead of getting lost in there. Um, yeah, it's, how, it's, how, it's, your kids it's, are obviously older now. You don't need to manage their social media oh, well, consumption, but the advice and guidance is pretty important. <laughs> I've got a twenty-nine-year-old that I told him the other day. I just want to tell you this: these two hours, you're never going to get them back again. So think carefully where you spend your time. I mean, great if you think this is a good investment of your time, but you're not getting the time back. So choose. Choose wisely where you spend your time. You can make money, but you can't get your time back. And, you know, even as, as young people, you know, oh, you've got a lot of time. You don't. Actually, you don't. There's, everything you do matters. Every Everything's got a consequence. So um, I was reading an article on distractibility, and, and this is this, you know, like phones going, um, social media, you know, you've got an email. And um, I've actually adopted what the – the author of the paper suggested is that you you actually have time slots for when you do your email. So between like nine and ten, or is it called I, time blocking or something like that. I don't know what it's I've, called, I've but heard, like, I heard yeah. I heard about it recently. It's that, and it is a much better. You need, we 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 do. We've got to manage that time. We mustn't let it control us. But well, we you've got to, so I've, many so many things vying for your attention, you know, like it's you, and and it's it's Twitter and then it's Instagram and it, then it's LinkedIn and you know I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Talk about dopamine, little things, you know. Every time you see, oh, <laughs> yeah, when I post yeah. something, I go, oh, please just get over it. Like you know, like I view my LinkedIn post now as an educational, something educational that I want to get out to people. If if they're in robotics and they enjoy it, so be it and, and read it and, and do what you like with it, but. Um, as a sales mechanism, it's, it hasn't really kicked in for me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but um, I, I don't believe using it as a sales vehicle. It's primarily for me, it's an education vehicle. Okay. See, I'm very good. I, I could talk for ages and I remember very little of what I've actually said. So. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's tough interviewing because you, you, you're you doing two things, you know, you're listening and you're preempting. Okay, so where's this going to go now? Well, I, I'm, you know, the delay that the delay that we had in when we originally were going to talk into today, I think it's really worked in our favour because if if you do get and if there's any interest, so I'd, I'd invite you to have a listen to that Clem Newton Brown um, podcast because about the about the flying cars, basically, it's a really fascinating. He was fascinating. I, it was my first podcast, so I was quite interview mode it wasn't as I, I i didn't get into the flow of the conversation and i think you know we've we've got five or six now i think this is number seven and it's become a much more hopefully a more fluid conversation oh no i'm having great fun no no it's very relaxed what's your release what's your release is it weekly release or monthly or bi-weekly um we're trying to do it we're trying to do two a week i think oh my goodness well when we want to keep you to, busy it will. I mean, I, I couldn't do this without the team I've got behind me. Um, yeah. God, Phil's, Phil, my producer, is going to love me talking about this. Um, but that he's, he's got a great company called Billionaires in Boxes, and they reached out to me earlier in earlier in the year um, during lock, at the end of lockdown one, and I'd I'd been considering doing a podcast for a. Um, for at least a year, and I'd recorded two, but I couldn't bring myself. I can't. 
I hate listening to my own voice. No one's going to believe me when I say that, <laughs> who know me. But like listening back to my own voice is so excruciating. And without having an editing team behind it, I would just get too in the weeds about, oh, that's a, there's that, that needs to be edited out and that needs to be edited out. So I just kind of procrastinated and didn't do anything. Whereas with these guys, I kind of turn up, um, we can have a lovely conversation. You know, I can just concentrate on finding out a little bit more about you and, and, and guests and just exploring the conversation. And Phil kind of, Phil and the team and Partha in India, they they kind of take it away and do all of the, the messy stuff at the back that, that frees up. Again, it's about, I think, so many products like your, your robots. It's about providing time back to people, especially us busy um, busy people in business. Um, we, we When my to-do list is overwhelming, that's when I've, I can feel the momentum kind of sliding. You've you've obviously been into podcasting for a while now. I've listened to um, Let's Talk Robotics, and we'll put a link in the in the in the notes. Shall how's, how's your journey into podcasting been going? I was I, I was about to go. Oh, do give me your opinion. Listen, <laughs> you're far slicker than I am. I go listen here, people. Here's your Zoom invite. Um, I've been doing it from um, home in Sassafras, so my internet connection at times. So some of them have gone, you know, like that lag. I go, sorry, people. And I don't even edit it out. I I suppose I could if I really. But I go, listen, this isn't my mainstay. Podcasting isn't my business. I do this because I just love chatting to people. And um, I've got a huge robotic connection in in, Sassafras. Australia and part why I started this podcast Let's Talk Robotic was in 2018 Dr. Sue K started the Robotics Roadmap for Australia and um, this is all available on the internet as well if you wanted to look at the, the soft copy and it was a state of play of what's happening in robotics in Australia and um, Exaptic was involved in one of the meetups or the workshops for um, healthcare and we provided some information to them there and she had five um, silos that she was investigating. So it was healthcare, um, industry, uh, manufacturing. Oh, check it, like two more there. This year, the 2020 edition, I think there are nine silos that they've got on. Um, we've had more than a 1,000 people involved in the webinars. So this is all available on the Robotics Australia Network website where all these webinars, and there was actually a collaboration between New Zealand and Australia, um, a web, a workshop on how can we collaborate better with robotics there. So um, my whole podcast actually started out of that, the 2018, that we've got a lot of roboticists in Australia, but they don't all know about each other. And um, mm. One thing everybody's that I enjoyed. Everybody's yeah. siloed off on their own projects and yeah. their, own, their own enterprises. Yeah. And one thing that I'm that I enjoy and that I'm actually good at is connecting people to each other. So I'm a very good connector. They don't they they contact me, I go, I'm not the person you need to speak to, but I know who you need to speak to. So that's how this Let's Talk Robotics started. And let me tell you, I've had such fun that people um I think it's been academic, top-heavy a little bit. I've got – I had two people just in industry, but I'm going to broaden my horizon a little bit. I had Anne Alvin that was instrumental in getting the Pepper robot in a study in Townsville Hospital to look at the interaction between patients, um, the robot, and um, the staff members, and it was such an interesting podcast. She's also heavily involved in robotics. She's a nurse, that's what she does, but she just loves robotics and, and how they can be utilised. Um, 
I've had Professor Donna Kulik. I've just released her podcast. My next one is on Professor Michael Mulford, who's into autonomous vehicles. So that's going to be released oh, next week. They well, are. I will definitely be listening to that. I'm I'm well and truly down the um, flying cars rabbit hole now. After the conversation with Clem, it's like I can't wait to fly to work. <laughs> Listen, the only thing that I find, and I was saying this to someone else that, that actually also invited me on to a podcast, I, I feel slightly inferior. You know, I'm talking to PhDs and professors, and they, they're all such nice people. And he, go, and he said to me, oh, no, he'll call me Dr. Nikki. I said, no, no, it's not that. It's that they're such experts in their field. You know, they, they're so passionate about what they do. They lead such organized lives. They, they're something to behold, honestly. I, I don't just look at the content of how I'm talking to them you know I look at their websites and I, I look at the work they do these are extremely productive people like I don't know I don't know and they've got families and they've got children and I don't know how they do it like I want to get behind the magic formula how do you compress all of this into being so super efficient um I haven't got that got to that stage yet but I, I do admire it when I see it in other people I go that's something to aspire to yeah, yeah, I've I've completely feel that as well. I think I'm ble- I've been I've certainly been blessed with the with the caliber of guests that I've already had on the show, including your very good self, Nikki. And um, I think I think what we can learn from, from what I've learned already just from an hour of conversation with each person has just been so valuable. Like regardless of, I hope I've, I've had some good feedback on the podcast, and some people have said some very nice things. Um, I had a friend who said, "Oh, it was a really fascinating conversation, spoiled only by your voice." Um, so that helped to um, uh, compound my worry about the sound of my voice. But still, to know that people are finding it interesting, and whereas the value I'm getting out of it is, I'm just exploring all these new fields of. Um, of these new disciplines and fields of business that I, I don't know whether I would have got the option to do without um, opening up the conversational opportunity. Look, I think you're not alone in, um, you know, I listen to things. I go, oh, my goodness, stop saying that. I have a tendency sometimes when people go, <laughs> I go, yep, because I'm listening. And, you know, my audience can't see that I'm actually shaking my head going, yep. And I, I caught myself in Dr. Damien Key's, um, you know, I'm giving away all my little inferiorities here now, but I'm going, yep, and I say to my children, oh, my God, like, you know, what am I doing, this yip, yip business? I thought, oh, please, man, listen, the people are going to listen to this. Are, they're going to be interested in the content. They're not going to be put off by um, me going on a little rabbit hole of wherever I go with my questions and how I get back to that. That's part and parcel of who I am, and I can't. It's a bit like your voice and my voice is the same and my accent and, you know, the things I say. And I I go, you'll have your audience that like you. I listen to a lot of podcasts and sometimes I listen to the the interviews and I go, no, man, what are you doing there? But like (laughs) each to their own, you know, because there's thousands of podcasts out there available today, you know, and it's just the information that you're getting. Yes. I mean, I listened to one on, I didn't listen, but there's apparently one on menopause, which, you know, like there was an inside (laughs) program last night on TV. My my son's told me I need to watch this. Okay. Oh, listen, you know, let's just be open and transparent about what women go through. And, um, well, to the point is that, um, menopause is like a forgotten part of me- the medical, you know, fraternity of what goes on with women, and it's actually mm. 
um, 50% of your population are going through it or will be going through it. And for the men out there, you need to know when you're dealing with a woman who's going through menopause. It's not fun. Anyway, and the two of the guests, they actually have a podcast on, on menopause. So I thought, well, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, this, I love the podcast where it is, it is a good conversation. And my favourite is Joe Rogan. Um, I was going to send you the link that we talked about previously, so I'll do that afterwards. But I think some of the the joy of listening to him is just it's just such a natural conversation. Like he is. There'll be the breaks and the stops, but he's also very very sharp in um, where he takes. But I, I, I can imagine that that's not purely accidental. He's very well researched no, as well. Practice. Brenton, I mean, he's, I think he's now on to his 1,750th podcast or something. Like, he's got a phenomenal amount of podcasts. I mean, he was a stand-up comedian as well. So, like, he is, he's must be, you know, like, I think comedians are one of, must be the brightest, the, the good ones, that they're very, very intelligent people because that's why they're so funny. They see things that um, in the normal day-to-day we don't see or we see, but we don't actually think it's funny until they tell you how funny it is. And, I think uh, we really need those guys at the moment. Oh, definitely. I think we're not getting enough of that on TV. They're also under a lot of fire and a lot of pressure because they're, I mean, they're paid. Their, their job is to look at the world in a weird and strange way. And it does seem at the moment that that's not allowed. If you, if you kind of, um, there seems to be a lot of rigidity about the thinking that we're allowed to do at the moment. Well, it's not your, it's your expression of your thinking is more the problem. And the, the political correctness police will be out there telling you, you're not allowed to think this or say this. And um, yeah, we, our, our world is changing. What is acceptable? You know, can you, is there, free, is there such a thing as free speech um, that you can just say whatever you want to say? I, I contend you can, but there are repercussions. Like you can say what you want to say, that, that's your free speech, but there will be repercussions. There are, con- so, as you said earlier, there are consequences to all of our actions, what we say. I quite like the Zoroastrian, um, the, the, the very simple way of approaching life, um, which is um, good thoughts, good deeds, good words is the thing and it's uh, I think it's very important at the moment but you are right we still have we still live in a country in countries where free speech is still fully allowed but we do have to realize that there are consequences that is a conversation probably another hour for another podcast we'll pull back before either of us get ourselves in any trouble as well yeah. um hey um we've, we've been talking phrases I could talk to you I knew that I'd I'd get carried away with time I could talk to you for so much longer um, but we do have to bring it to an, to a close. And so I just, first of all, thank you very much for coming on the show, being so interesting. But, but, but more importantly for you, what, what, how can we, if, if there's people listening and they want to know more, they want to get involved, um, if there are people in the robotics industry that are currently quite siloed where they are, how, how's the best way for them to reach out to you and, to, and, and how to continue exploring their journey through your industry? Uh, first up, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's been absolutely, uh, it's been a great fun experience. Anyone wanting to reach out to me, you can go to my website. Um, there's a sales at Exaptic that inevitably makes its way to me, or you can just reach out to me, Nikki. It's N-I-C-C-I at exaptic.com.au. Um, email's probably the easiest. Um, if you're based in Australia and you want to be on my podcast or even New Zealand, dare I say, but um, I'm trying to focus on the Australians and all the good work they're doing. 
Um, yes, please reach out to me. And um, I'm very open. If people, if you go on my LinkedIn profile and there's anyone there that you want to meet or you need an introduction to, please reach out to me. Um, I, I would do it with, uh, with great pleasure. Nikki, again, thank you so much. I had great fun too. Um, I can't wait for the next conversation whenever that will be, and I hope it's not too far away. So good luck in this crazy year. Um, keep on keeping on, as they say, and, um, yeah, we will talk again very soon. Thanks so much, Brenton. Look after yourself. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it interesting. Um, as a further sign of gratitude, we'd like to pass on a 30% discount to all listeners um, on the HTO Educate Learning Management System. We, uh, we've, we've launched it recently um, with a base level of um, courses that really focus on helping companies get through this really tough year, looking at mental health management, looking at um, managing virtual teams, setting up home offices. There's a, a, a very strong focus on health and safety as well, because we certainly believe that at the moment, your customers, the very base level of customer service that they're expecting is to be safe when they're doing business with you. So, so please have a look um, at the website, see whether it's something that could be of value to you and your teams in a year where it's very difficult to, to find time to trade and to refresh skills and we'll put the we'll put the address in the notes um, to this episode um, along with the, the discount code which is HTO podcast 30 but yeah that will be in the notes so once again thank you and I look forward to talking with you on the next podcast <laughs>